0: else really hot after worship it's hot (laughs) all right you guys all at isaiah 58 give you a second i think the microphone is going to make a sound (laughs) i don't know (laughs) all right shout it aloud do not hold back raise your voice like a trumpet Declare to my people their rebellion, and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions. They seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and have you not seen it? We have, why have we humbled ourselves, and you ha- have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have, have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your your rear guard. (laughs) Then when you call, the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in the scorched land and strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. And you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the lands and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken.
1: We talked about uh, Ecclesia. What was Ecclesia? Remember what Ecclesia is? Ecclesia? Ecclesia? Let's see how good we're doing. Ecclesia. Smoke? No, no. Okay, let's go back. So, Ecclesia is church, right? That's the Greek word for church. So, we talked last week. we, We recapped the year, 2017, by talking about how Ecclesia means a called out assembly. That's what that means. Ecclesia. So this idea of church, the way that we do it, there's not a lot of detail provided in the New Testament as far as nuts and bolts. How to exactly do it. It's definitely modeled. It happens. But even Jesus himself, he didn't talk about it a lot. In fact, he only really used the word one time. And in the book of Acts, where we see the majority of the church doing what the church does. And so last week we talked about how we're a church, right? We're part of the bride, part of church with the big C. We're just a local congregation, but we're part of a bigger picture, a bigger narrative. And we talked last week about, well, listen, here's what happened in 2017 for us and what the Lord did. So what's going to happen in 2018? What's he doing with this ecclesia? What's in motion? What does he have for us? And then we also talked about the idea that to answer the question of how a church is doing, if it's a good church, if it's a bad church, there's certain ways that you could tell. I mean, you could look at the way people serve and the way they volunteer. You could look at the way that they do that serving and volunteering, how responsible are they with it. Um, how well you know do they understand like what they're supposed to do and all that types of things you can look at the way people give you can look at how many people show up but that's also deceiving because even though a lot of people might show up for something doesn't mean that a lot of people are doing anything so how do you, how can you tell how can you judge how could we even tell if we're doing a decent job following what the holy spirit is calling us to do because i promise you It's not our job as a church family. It's not God's goal or plan to say, hey, listen, I want you to get together on Sunday mornings and have amazing services. That is not the goal. Of course, that draws a lot of people. A lot of people are attracted to that. They really like, wow, on Sunday morning, that's amazing what they do. I want to be there. I want to be a part of it. And like, I kind of get that. But at the end of the day, that's just not what we're called to do. What we're called to do is we're called to make disciples. And what we're called to do is love one another as Christ loved us. And we talked about that last week. Fulfilling the greatest commandment and fulfilling the great commission. Right? That's the idea. That's the goal. So the question really is, is it a good church? Is it a bad church? Is CZ Nogi, like, doing the right thing? Like, what's going on? Honestly, the way you can answer if an ecclesia is, like, doing the right thing Headed in the right direction, you have to answer this one question. Here's the question you got to answer. Are they fulfilling their assignment? That's what you got to be able to answer. Are they fulfilling their assignment? Now, within that assignment is yes. Fulfilling the Great Commission, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then equipping them, making disciples. And it's also fulfilling the greatest commandment, loving other people. That's part of the assignment. But there's a unique piece to the assignment. Just like, you know, people could be a parent. They could be an aunt, uncle. You have a certain role at a job, right? You're going to have a role there. You have responsibilities. But just because you have one project manager and another project manager, it doesn't mean that they do the same exact thing the same exact way, right? They got the same title and assignment responsibilities, but they don't exactly do it the same way. Because just based on their personality, who those people are, just their makeup. That's the same thing for a church. So... What we do here and how the Lord's going to work with us here is not going to be the same way it's going to happen in Kansas City. Right, what happens here is not going to be the same thing that happens in Uganda. It's going to be totally different. And it doesn't make one place right or wrong or the other place right or wrong. The issue really is, are they being responsible and faithful in the assignment that God called them to do? That's really the main issue. So for us to go to you know, a church and check it out for a Sunday or for a month or be around a couple different things, honestly, that's just not enough time to answer the question of are they being faithful to their assignment? You can't figure that out and pop it in, in and out. You have no idea. You got to get around the people. You got to get to know the leadership. You got to say, well, do they actually practice what they preach? What do they preach? What actually happens? And so it's really important for us to reflect on all of those things. Because we're not here together just to have a great Sunday morning. That's not the goal. The goal for us is to fulfill our assignment. Right? What is our assignment? What is God calling us to do? That's a great question. And I'm really glad that you asked that. I'm going to try and help you out with that. I don't know if, if anybody has ever looked. But on our website, we have like these eight like um, core values. I'm not going to read through them and list them all and go through them all today. But I can tell you, later on, it's going to be worthwhile for you to look at. Eight core values there. Some things that are in there are some things that are important to us. Our assignment contains being faithful in those values that we have there. Things like the presence of God. It's very important to us. We want to cultivate that. That's really significant. To have a church family That's really absence of the presence of God. That means that you have a gathering of people that can faithfully show up and do a lot of religious duties, but they have no life in it. Well, I do it because I'm supposed to, but... I mean, that makes me better than the person who doesn't do anything, right? Right? That's just a horrible way to look at life and things like that. Maybe you've done that for a while, and there are plenty of people that have. Just get really good at doing religious duties. Those duties are important, because on the other side, it's really bad if you have a bunch of people that are like, I love the presence of God, I love him, I love him, I love him. Well, did you show up on time to anything that we ever do? Well, no, but I love the presence of God. (laughs) Well, you got a Sunday school lesson you got to teach, are you ready, are you prepared? No, but the presence will just. (laughs) Like, maybe, but the presence works in the moment, and the presence also works beforehand. Right? In case you don't know. But he does. He does. Yes, he does. And Because the interesting thing is that you could even have a whole bunch of planning with the Holy Spirit. And in a moment, he just switches it. He says, well, okay, well, you had that plan for that particular situation. But I'm actually not even doing that. So I'll save that for another day. But if you're a culture and your an environment, you're a church that values presence, that, that trumps presence. Uh, routine and and ritual. At the end of the day, the trump is with whatever the Holy Spirit is leading, what he wants to do. You make plans, you set agendas, you have goals, you be responsible, right? There's ownership, there's ambition. You follow all of those things. It's not at the cost of those things, you still do them. That's what responsible people do. But at the end of the day, you say, all right, Lord, you made all these plans. We set this all up this way. We have all these plans for our home. I have all these plans for the way I want to live my life, for the certain goals that I have, these things that I want to do. Father, This is what I want to do. But a church family then says, all right, Lord, are we on the same page? Are we doing the same thing here? Is this the same direction you're going? Am I out of step in any place? Right? And they faithfully rely on his presence along the way. So I can't go through all eight of them. That was just one of them. But I can tell you that our assignment is to embody all eight of those things, like presence, like discipleship, like the preaching and teaching through all of God's Word, not just parts of it. Um, Discipleship making. uh, There's a whole bunch of things on there. So our assignment is to embody all of those things, all of our core values that are on there. And to do it in such a way to where we have meaningful impact in our town. Meaningful impact in our town. I would love to have 10% of our town come to our church. That'd be amazing. What's that? That's like 320 people? That'd be awesome. Bigger building, that'd be great. And it's not even just like my heart and plan for that, it's just. For all of the churches in town, like, to be significantly filled up and be hungry for what God wants to do. So what's our assignment? What's God calling us to do here? Listen, he's calling us to be, number one, people that are hungry and after his heart. If we don't have a congregation full of people like that, we're not going to make the impact, and we're not going to go to the places that God wants to take us. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to work out well for us to just show up. Presence, like our, now our presence, our presence to things and in situations is not going to get it done. I can promise you that. We have to be prepared as well. So when we show up, it's like we're ready to rock, whatever it is. Whatever the assignments, we're ready to go. So when we're like getting boxes ready for Head Start like we did, hey, we're ready to go. For new beginning stuff, it's like, okay, this is our assignment. This is what we're doing. Okay. When we're like on greeter duty or A V or whatever, it's like, I'm ready. Let's do it. I've been honest. I'm ready. So for us to make meaningful impact in this town, he's calling a group of people that say, hey, listen, I, I need people that are hungry after my own heart. And they cannot be denied. And I'm telling you that this is the focus of this church. This is the focus of my heart. And what that has done throughout the years, that's just weeded people out. They're just like, I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't like that. I don't agree with that. And I understand, and I'm not judging anybody for that. But I'm just saying, what we're going after is we're going after something large. I'm going after transformation of lives. I'm going after change homes. I want to go after addictions that can be broken. I want to go after people that live in forgiveness. I want to go after people that just say, you know what, I'm done with prescription drugs. I want to go after people that say, you know what, smoking has no place no more. I want a group of people. God wants a group of people that say, listen, I have these things available to them. They don't have to beg me, but they do have to seek my heart on it. Our assignment is to create this culture that is hungry for Him, and is able to connect with His heart and access what He has. And not just for themselves, but to give it to those around them. Let's go, baby. And I understand that we don't always feel that way, but I'm telling you that that is the vision and that's the goal for this church. My heart has been there since day one. God has made it super clear. And I tell all this with you because I do feel like that this year of 2018, we're kind of at a significant crossroads here. I really feel strongly in my heart that the Lord's saying hey listen right now is the time to capitalize and if you really want to see and experience what I want to do now is the time and I'm not at all saying that to put pressure to put burden to overwhelm you is not my intention I'm telling you that I think the Spirit has just made that super clear to my heart and when I have people around my life that love me I want them to tell me what the Lord has made clear to them I don't care what it is. I just want them to tell me. So I'm telling you that. I hope you don't feel the weight of it. I hope that you feel the excitement of it. God would never, like, birth us with something and put something inside of us without giving us a way to experience that and live in it. And here's the other cool thing. The other cool thing is that the Lord wants to do these things, and this is His goal, and this is His plan to create this culture, this environment that wins people to the Lord, that gives people his heart, that aren't ashamed of who he is, that are hungry for more of him. The interesting thing is, it's not by accident that you are in the room for that assignment. Like you're sitting here. It's not Jared's show. Praise God is right. (laughs) Praise God is right. This is the Holy Spirit show. And he brought you here together. We planted this church in 2000, when we started services in 2010, really started regularly in 2011. So six, almost seven years to get to this point. And it hasn't been by accident of who's stayed and who's go and all that. And I'm trying to express to you that's not by accident that you're here at this point in time and it is my hope and prayer that you will respond i really feel like the year of 2018 is a year of response do you understand what i'm saying it's a year of response when god does things we get excited and excitement is good but i'm telling you it only gets you so far and you just manufacture that, and you, just, you can hype things. that's fine. I'm not interested in doing that. I want to be excited when God does something exciting. Trust me on that. But we don't want just a culture of excitement, right? We want a culture and a church of people that respond. And I'm telling you that 2018 is like a year of response, you're saying, hey, listen, I've gathered some significant key, gifted, important people together to bring forth something that I want to do in this town. Gathered all of you to do that. And he's saying, listen, will they respond? And honestly, I feel like that's what's on the table for 2018. It's a year of response. And again, that is not to overwhelm you, to shame you, to burden you, to do anything like that. I'm telling you, hey, listen, this is what the Lord said he wants to do. If he said he wants to do it, he's going to equip us to get us there to get it done. The other thing is, I don't know all the plans how he's going to do it. I don't know. I wish I knew it. That would be amazing. I could just be like, okay, listen, Rick, you're doing this for sure. Sal, you got this. And then in March, you know, you got to do this, Kayla. And then, you know, Loretta in September, whatever, you got to do that. Like, there's not a game plan like that. We don't know ahead of time. But I do feel really strongly about the fact that, hey, listen, it's a response here. He's calling his people to gather together, to hear his voice, position themselves, and be faithful with whatever lies in front of them, whatever it is, from the smallest task to the greatest thing. And we're going to have changes this year. Our leadership team is going to change up a little bit. We're going to install deacons and deaconesses in the church. It's going to be much more reflective of the church in early Acts. That's just the road that we're headed towards. I am going to leave my place of employment coming uh, in August. Yeah. (laughs) Julie's like, no, you're not. I can't tell you how we struggle with that and continue, to be honest with you, continue to struggle with that. The weight of that is significant. I mean, that's the majority. We don't make a lot, but that's, that's our household income right there, and that's our insurance right there. So that's huge. And we got three amazing little kids. You know, it's, it's huge. But I feel like it's, it's time. I feel like the Lord made it really clear that we're trying to win a full-time battle on a part-time basis. And I think also, you know, that the Lord also has made it really clear that as long as you, you're faithful what I've called you to do, I will take care of you guys. You be faithful to me, I'll be faithful to you. So, and again, I'm not saying that to put burdens on anybody. I'm just telling you, like, what the deal is. This is just the deal. So, a lot of things are going to change. And I'm excited about that. There's going to be a lot more release to different individuals doing different things, which is super healthy and very needed. And guess what? When certain people are in different situations doing influential things or other things, you might not like the way they do it. Be nice to them. It's a family. It's not time to pack up and just head out. Nah, I don't like it now. It's changing. Well, yeah, it is going to change. This is what happens. So there's a lot of different things in store. We're going to talk more about it Especially a lot, all January, parts of February. So we'll, we'll get back to Second Samuel at some point. But these are needed things that we just, it's where we are. And I'm excited to talk about it. And I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to do. So again, it's the year of response. Year of response. And to be honest with you, I, there's, there's just things that have been happening where people have just responded in new and different and more courageous ways. And that, that's just, man, that's just even more exciting to me. So I'm like, wow. They're doing it. They're doing it. They're going after it. And God will be faithful. He will be faithful. Because our goal here, our goal here, is to have the Holy Spirit do whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. And when I say that, the Holy Spirit will match above and beyond whatever we bring to him. So I feel like, and I feel very convicted about, we're only going to limit ourselves is when our faith is capped off. We just say, well, that's just about us. That's it for us. That's all that God's going to do there with that. That's going to cap us. And the other thing that could cap us is just when we stay faithful in doing things, and he just says, no, you're just not doing that. He just shuts something down. Things just don't come together. Things don't play out. He just, boom, he just shuts it down. And I'm okay with that. I love it when he shuts things down. Because I don't have to invest a whole lot of hope, energy, time, and resources in that area. Isn't that amazing? You just get something crossed off the list and he does the crossing? I love that. So we got to talk about fasting, right? Isaiah 58, Joanna read it. And I want to talk about our fast. And I want to highlight a couple of things that are important. In this passage of Isaiah 58. This is a significant passage. Um, I, th- I hope. I hope that you could tell. So when Joanna read it, and if you read it as well, or just listened, God was kind of like, He wasn't happy with them. He was given them a, a stern kind of spanking, a little discipline. And it was because they have they had already had. Uh, a lifestyle, a culture of fasting. They just always did it in a regular fashion because it was prescribed um, to them in the law from Moses that they had periods of time where they needed to fast and abstain and they had particular ways to do it. So they just always grew up in that environment. What had happened is they got really good at the discipline of fasting to where they could fast. But yet they could go home. And be oppressive to whoever slave was in their house. They could mock any one of their neighbors. They could gossip about whoever. And be totally fine. They could go through the fit, the ritual of fasting and abstaining from whatever. And they could carry on like this other life of who they really are. Nobody knows anything about that probably But. I heard that's a horrible life to live. I kid with you. It's sarcasm. Okay. What they did is they compartmentalized. They said, well, here's my God life over here. And then here's my life over here. And I'm good as long as I do the God thing over there. And so in Isaiah 58, God is like, what are you doing? That is not the way it's supposed to be. That is not even why I gave you this discipline of fasting to do. It was for a whole other reason. Not just so you could check off the God box in your life. So let's take a look at it. See what he says to him. We're not going to spend a ton of time here, but I want to highlight a couple of things. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob, their sins. That's a fun job for Isaiah. Speak real loud. Let everybody know where they're messing up. Do not sign me up for that. Well, that, was his call. that was the calling on his life. So, For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they're a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Everybody say seem eager. That just jumps out to me. Ah, man. And I remember the first time I read it, that just convicted my heart in such a big way. They're just, in my own life, I just done it right. I, just, I seemed eager. But when it came down to crunch time, I was like, mm, you know, I don't know. I seemed really eager. Like I wanted to be around it. I, I can remember multiple times in church settings. Seeming eager, you know, to like to give my opinion about how the new youth group leader was doing. I give my opinion. <laughs> I'm really eager to share about my opinion on how, like, the new youth group leader is doing. And, and here I am myself, you know, I'm, like, college age or so, you know. And I'm really eager about it. And then, like, leadership at the church, you know, they come up to me and say, hey, listen, like, how do you think it's going right now? And it's like, am I going to say the truth of all the stuff I've been saying? Because it wasn't good things, it was just gossip is really what it was. And then... I seemed really eager to, like, want to have the youth group go a particular way and, and make sure it all was happening really well. But honestly, I just wanted a platform so I could just vent and say how bad something was. That's what the reality was. Or I seemed eager to, like, learn and study from the Bible and want to share that with other people. And then I remember being asked, like, uh, I think I was on a missions trip, being asked, they said, hey, listen, I want you to share something from the Bible you know, I forget whatever the passage was. We want you to talk about blah, 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 And they said, and this was before, you know, cell phones and all that. And they said, listen, we're going to videotape all of it. You know, they had the big clunky. you know? I seemed eager, but then I got asked it. I was like, I don't do that. I like do it to myself. Like, that's the way that works. I don't feel comfortable. I don't do that. And I remember standing up there and seeing the red light on the camera. Like, Oh, my God, this is recording. Like, this is awful. And I was like 16, you know, 16 years old. But there are these things in life, and there's a new group, you know, new small group, new thing happening. Oh, yeah, I want to do it. Sign me up. Four weeks in, you can't even find those people. There's just this idea of seeming eager, and that's the way they're there. They're like, they seemed eager. Yeah, we want to know about God. We want to We'll show up, you know, we'll go like, to the synagogue, you know, we'll do the fast, we'll do the things God asks us to do through Moses. But they didn't really care. They just didn't want to, like, have everybody know that they don't care that much. It's almost like we just put on a front to seem like we really care, but if anybody gets really close enough, they're going to see it's inconsistent. You know what I mean? So they were eager. They seemed eager, anyways, but it was a false eagerness. So then God says to him, he says, hey, verse 3, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed? So they're like, hey, God, we've been fasting, we've been doing this, and we're not getting what we should be getting. The whole point of our fast is not to try and get God the genie to do what we want him to do. Fasting is a denial, right? You're, you're purposely saying to a food or a situation or a habit or behavior, you're saying, you know what, for 21 days, I'm not. I'm not doing it. Fast says you're saying no to that. And you're not saying no to that so that way hopefully you get in God's good graces and then like, you can like, manipulate him to get what you want. And it's very easy to, to fall into that trap because it's difficult to say no to something you really want. If someone's going to say no to red meat for 21 days and they really like red meat and they eat it all the time, and then they're saying no to that, and they don't experience God in any significant way for 21 days, or they ask them about something and they didn't see God do anything with it, at the end of 21 days, guess what somebody's going to say? Well, God, I did this for you and you never... That's a super easy trap to fall into. When you're purposely denying yourself, Because what we do is we just focus on the fact that we are doing the denying and we must be rewarded for that. It just becomes about us. It's not just about our denial. It's about, supposedly, getting closer to his heart, understanding better who he is, wanting to connect more with him, to feast on him and just fast from that. That's the idea behind it. So they're like, hey... We've been doing these things, Lord, but things haven't been panning out. What's going on? So he tells them what's going on. He says, listen, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. It's <sighs> Not good. They're fighting. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Holy guacamole. You cannot be fasting like you do and expect your voice to be heard on high. Everybody say heard on high. I want my voice to be heard on high. We're going to talk about Daniel in a minute, and we're copying just really the time length and sort of the setup of his fast. But it said when Daniel fasted that it took 21 days for an answer from heaven to come back to him. And the angel came back to him and he said, hey, listen, when you prayed from day one, heaven heard you. It just took us a long time to get back to because we were detained by demonic angels and forces. And I I always remember reading that, and I'm like, I remember when I first read that first time ever, like i wonder if my prayers are heard like that on high and i think that if i'm in jesus and i have relationship with him they absolutely are but if i'm in jesus and have relationship with him but if i just flat out live unrepentant and keep him at bay i i I don't know i think he hears it but i think his hands are kind of tied listen I'm trying to bring you I'm, I'm trying to share with you what I'm doing here but you just are not now listen and coming through with it here kind of like Saul when God told him he told Saul he said hey listen I'm doing a new thing in this kingdom there's a new leader I'm getting behind him I'm supporting him we're doing a new thing and it's like Saul didn't even hear it he's like yeah 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 but God like let's expand this uh, let's get rid of David and let's just do this whole thing And God's like, no, I already told you. I'm not doing that. And they came to the point where God said, listen, I'm not talking to him anymore. He ain't listening. I'm trying to tell him, but he's not listening. And sometimes we can get to that place. And that's that's a scary place to be. Thank God in his mercy and grace and compassion. Even if we get there and then repent of it, man, we're out of it. So verse 5, is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Everybody say only a day. How, you know, and we just think these things. Like they're going to do baptism soon, and I shared it with them and said, "Hey, listen, if you think it's just about baptism, you're crazy. It ain't just about the act of baptism. That doesn't do anything for you. One simple act of baptism. It's about a purity of heart. And like we read at the baptism class, you know, when they came and they got baptized by John the Baptist, they came confessing their sins." Because they realize they need to be cleansed on the outside as well as the inside. So one day of fasting or 21 days. days—like, It's just a thing. Everybody say it's just a thing. It's just a thing. It's just a discipline and routine. The idea behind it. The heart behind it. That's the part that really matters. And God knew. He's like, man, I see right through us. They just do it. They compartmentalize it. They're just trying to get what they want. It's the only reason why they're doing it. Says, is this, is not, verse 6, is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe them and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Verse 8, here's what's going to happen if you do it the right way. And I want to say, people are always curious, am I doing the fast the right way, the wrong way? Listen, the right way that you do a fast is to have the right posture of your heart during the fast. That is just it. We're going to talk about the fasting fine points in a minute. And it's easy to get hung up on the types of foods to eat or things to drink or or all these things. And if God gave you strong conviction on particular things, then you just got to do them. That's what it is. But I'm saying it's the heart behind it. It's the heart behind it. That's a successful fast. Is not the one that, you know, went 21 days without cracking their knuckles, as if that would help you, you know? But people do weird things like that. Like they try and like use a fast to get out of a bad behavior. That's like ridiculous. This is not time to break bad behaviors. It's a nice plus if it comes with it. But the idea behind the fast is, Lord, I want to hear from your heart on this. I need to. I want to be closer to you than I've been. And so there's just a season right now. I need to be close to you. So if we do, verse 8, if they were faithful in fasting the right way, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Isn't it interesting how fasting is tied to healing? And very healthy, yes it is. And it's not just an Old Testament thing. In the New Testament, Jesus flat out told them there's a case of a sick boy. They tried to do what they normally did to heal him and have a demon come out of him. And they couldn't do it. They prayed for him and they did the things that normally worked. And then Jesus showed up and then he did it. And then he took them aside and he said, hey. Or they said, Jesus, what happened? How come like this worked, this worked before when we did it our other way? And he said, yeah, this kind, it only comes out by prayer and fasting. There are some things, I don't know what they are, but there are some things that are only going to be moved in your life. In this church, there's only going to be some territory we will only gain through prayer and fasting. And if you remain stubborn on that front, we just want to enter into it. There are some things in life that God has already set up that will not become unlocked until we enter into a prayer and fasting for that particular thing. What is that thing? I don't know. Typically, it tends to be the things that weigh really heavy on our hearts, that we just can't find. We're just like we keep hitting the wall on it. It's just not a breakthrough. What is happening? You know what I'm talking about? They're just things like that. Thought patterns, behaviors, people, just whatever. Prayer and fasting. It doesn't just convince God more of what we want to do. It actually increases our vision so we can see what he already had set up, wanted to do. Do you understand the difference between that? We're not trying to get God to do what we want. We're trying to see better what he already wants to do. Because Jesus' response to them is very interesting. He says to them, you guys have little faith. For whatever reason, their faith level wasn't where it needed to be to set that boy free. It wasn't where it needed to be. Apparently, Jesus makes it clear to them. He says, hey, listen. If there was some prayer and fasting, you'd be able to see what you needed to see. And your authority would have been recognized. And there are some things in our life where we've been given authority over, but we won't see the release or breakthrough until prayer and fasting enter into the equation. And we would like to try every other method imaginable. (laughs) Everything! You'll search the internet, you ask your friends, you'll start reading your Bible two hours a day. It's like, no, like no, this is a unique season. You need to seek my heart in prayer and fasting, but for how long? What do I have to give up? You know, it's like, ugh. There are things that will not be released or experienced or healing won't come until prayer and fasting is a part of the mix. I am not saying... And I do not believe that the Bible ever says that prayer and fasting is a guarantee to bring a healing and miracle in every situation that you want. I never said that. And Jesus never said that either. Does it make sense? All right. He says, your healing is going to quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. I like how Jill giggled when she read that because that's just powerful stuff. When he goes before you and he is behind you, they're missing an element of protection and provision because of their disobedience. And a lot of times that's what happens. Verse 90 says, Then you will call and the Lord will answer. So he's listening now. You will cry for help and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, And with the pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. You know what's interesting to me? It's interesting how throughout the entire passage, fasting was so closely related to generosity. Specifically, caring for those that are in need. Clothing them, feeding them, just giving. Isn't that interesting how God purposely did that through basically the passage on fasting in the Bible? There's other passages and we're going to read others, but it's very interesting how closely related and interconnected extreme generosity was while the fasting was happening at the same time. I don't know how we should interpret that, But it's something significant to think about and ponder. During any fasting time, it's like, maybe there's some unique things too that I could also do in the area of generosity for others in some way, shape, or form that can help follow a little bit better what the Lord was talking about in this passage. He definitely makes a point of it, right? Verse 11, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Who wants that? Okay, who doesn't want that? I want to live life as a well-watered garden. You know, springs that just flow up. And if you get near me, you get splashed on. That's good. And it's very much like the way we're called to live life. There's seasons where it feels a little more dry, sure. But there's a well of living water, like Jesus told the Samaritan woman at the well. He's like, "Listen, once you drink from this, you'll never go thirsty again." The issue is just positioning ourselves to receive that and become that. It says your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please nor speaking out of words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So when there's a time of fasting, there does come a time of feasting that the Lord does bring about. And so often we can only think of what we're going to lose out on for a short period of time when the reality is the Lord wants to make it really clear to our hearts of what we're going to gain long term. We get to feast on an inheritance that's going to flow out of that obedience from fasting and prayer. And it's sad that just way, way too many Christians never really experienced that. And the Lord wants to bring us into an understanding type of relationship to where we see and we're able to recognize the need and the value for seasons of prayer and fasting. Because when we do it as a church family, that's just, helped, that's just really to help set a model, to help encourage all of us to fast and seek the Lord's, together, the Lord's heart together. But honestly, I hope nobody ever waits. Hey, listen, I'll do my next fast next year, next January. You've already lost as soon as you're thinking that way. And what the Lord is trying to do, he's trying to bring us to a place where we recognize, you know what, this is a seed of life. This requires some prayer and fasting. I need, we need, it's just, I don't know. It's not breaking through here. Something needs to change. God's calling us to, to that place so we can better understand what that's like. So, take out the church fast uh, document here. I want to pull out a couple of highlights, and then we're going to sing together to communion. Fasting focus. Fasting is spiritual discipline to better connect us with God. It's about aligning ourselves with God and what He really wants to do. So as a church, we're fasting together in order to deepen our relationship with God, as well as get in step with His plan and His purpose for this coming year. Over the next 21 days, we'll sacrifice at least one meal a day and focus on reading the Bible, praying, and journaling. The overall goal is to sacrificially and intentionally position ourselves to hear from God. That's in italics because it's important. The overall goal is to sacrificially and intentionally position ourselves to hear from God. That's the goal here. Remember, the idea is, not, is to be realistic, not legalistic. Focus more on the details of, of connecting with God rather than the right words or methods. God wants your heart poured out to him using whatever words that may entail. So I hope you hear the heart behind it. So one person, they might do the one meal a day. Another person, they might do two meals a day. Another person, they might want to fast the whole 21 days and have only water. Whatever the Lord wants to put on your heart and what you feel would be sacrificial. And when you say to that, let's say it's one meal, you say, you know what, I normally eat during this time. Instead, what I'm going to do, I'm going to seek the Lord's heart during that time. So you're emptying of that, and then you're filling with him. So you say, you know what, instead of actually clicking through on Facebook right now, I'm just with him. Instead of binge-watching Netflix right now, I'm with him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Instead of watching football. I remember one time the Lord called me to fast during March Madness. I don't watch a lot of TV, but I really like to watch that. Man, that was hard. That's the other thing. I just violated this, but I guess you could do it later. The idea is not to tell everybody how hard it is and everybody that you're doing it. That just kills it. Jesus tried to make that very clear on the Sermon on the Mount, which we're going to read at next week. He said, hey, listen, when you fast, don't go around, you know, with the, oh, you know, I can't, oh, you know, go to work and I'm doing this fast, you know, it's just, oh, it's killing me, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Facebook and her tweeting about it, you know, was like, oh, day 19, I don't know if I'm going to make it, you know. He's like, man, don't do that stuff. Because we just turn it into a thing where it's just about what I'm saying no to, what I'm like distancing myself from. And that's just, that's just so not it. So not it. Instead, I hope what we do, I hope what we do is we share with people around us and say, man, listen, we're doing this thing at church and God has just been speaking this into my heart and into my life. I hope we're sharing that. That'd be really great. Share that stuff. The world needs to hear that. When we decide to purposely set aside things or time to be with him and then he speaks, I hope everybody shuts down Facebook with that. That would be great. Fasting framework. So today to the 21st. Someone's like, I already ate today. Whatever. Don't worry about it. I'm saying it's the heart behind it. Get in gear. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, 28. Sorry, I wrote the wrong one down there. 28. Uh, this is a type of Daniel fast based on the 21-day length. And it's located in Daniel 1 and Daniel 10. Daniel ate only water and vegetables, and some will do the exact same thing for the fast. You could do that if you want. For the most part, we're just trying to get to where everybody at least commits to a meal a day. Again, if it doesn't work if it's something else, that's fine. Some people only do water and vegetables. Our church family will commit to at least a partial fast, removing one meal per day. If you have some kind of condition that will prohibit you from taking part in the fast, there are other options. You could choose to remove something from your daily routine. Television, internet, sports, whatever. The important thing to remember and realize is that the details are not as important as the heart and spirit behind the fasting. If you have a known medical condition or are pregnant, nursing, you may not want to take part in the fast. You may want to fast from something else. If you have any reservations at all, please consult a doctor before doing it. Not a bad idea either. What a witness that would be to the doctor. Hey, listen, at church, we're doing this fast. Kind of concerned. Who knows the kind of conversation that might get to. That would be great. That would be awesome. It's interesting. When Daniel did his fast, not only did he do... Um, only water and vegetables. He also said he didn't use any fancy ointments on him. He didn't eat uh, any choice foods. He didn't do like anything super special for his physical body. So it's like he took off working out. He like, took off like anything that would sort of bring a lot of joy to his own physical body. He just put it all off the table for that period of time, which is interesting. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying it's interesting. So during the fast, I'm just going to skip around here, pray. In case you find yourself needing help on what to pray, there's a prayer and fasting calendar. That's just on the back. So you can see it's color-coded for different things, different days. Those are just suggested, helpful things to pray for, pray with. You don't have to do it that way. That's just a helper and a guide. Okay? So for example, today, you could pray for yourself. What kind of things? Things for guidance for your life, direction, strength, faith, whatever it might be, all right? Your faith, other people's faith, whatever. Tomorrow, you might want to pray for your family. Tuesday, you might want to pray for your friends. Wednesday, you might want to pray for your job. Thursday, just pray for your finances. Friday, just don't ask the Lord for anything. Just fill the day with thankfulness. Saturday, pray for church, pray for the town. It's just a suggested guide, okay? Bible reading. Bible reading in the past we've done the book of John we're going to switch it up a little bit this year we're going to do a Bible app plan it's a 21 day fast plan it's very easy for people to like access um, it's right on people's phones tablets, computers the link is right there yeah not Rick but you can get to it from his computer but the link is right there just click on the link so you can do it right from your phone and you can find this again on our church calendar online journaling you got to write down what the Lord is going to speak to your heart during this church fast. All right? Got to write it down. So the only way that we can really get this fast wrong is by one, saying that we're going to do it and then quitting in the middle. That'd be bad. Um, The other way we can get the fast wrong is by going into it thinking we're going to get God to do what we want him to do. That's bad. Um, the other way you can get the fast wrong is just try to use the fast to break a bad habit in your life. Don't do that. It's bad. We're going to win. We're going to say, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen in this 2018. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I want to be closer to your heart these next 21 days. I want to just experience you and be excited about the nature of who you are and see your narrative just dominate my life. You come with that heart to the fast and you even cheated for a day, you're fine. It's about the heart behind it. I'm telling you. Just this. Alrighty. Let's pass out communion. We're going to take this together. This is legal fast food. Uh That went right over some people's heads. Sorry. There you go. As we're passing the elements out, I wanted to read something to you here. Jesus said, um, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So Father, I thank you, Lord, that that's a a promise. I thank you, Jesus, for making us aware of that promise. And we all have different appetites. We have all built up. Uh, different types of hunger in our life are just different things. We're praying, Holy Spirit, that you will come and that you will enable us and strengthen us to say no to some important things in our life so that we, we could say yes to the best thing. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just guide our fast That you will guard the heart, the mind. That you'd show us how to just seek your face during this time. A lot of times we struggle when there's just not a listed order of what we need to do. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will show us that we would trust your leading that we would go into this fast not trying to just um, do a method or do a program. We're trying to just hear from your heart, Lord. Trying to hear from your voice. No two days might even look the same during the fast. But Father, I know that you'll, you'll lead us. I know that you'll guide us. You'll speak to our hearts. and I pray that we would be able to hear you well and I pray for those times when the flesh is going to rise up and want to do what it wants to do I pray that you would just fill each and every person with an extra measure of strength it'll be the enemy's desire to take us out of this fast to disconnect us from your voice to not go deeper with you during these next 21 days I pray we wouldn't give him a foothold. I pray we'd have a stubborn nature. And I pray that we really just cherish the time with you these 21 days, Lord. So we just pray for a spirit of revelation to fall in the church family, Lord. are they eating. Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body, and so we take and we eat. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins, so we take and we drink. Mm. Let's stand. Father, fill us with uh, excitement about how you're going to speak to our hearts, Lord not just a dread, Lord, but with an excitement. you are going to speak to our hearts, Father. You might bring healing into places that we've needed for a long time. You're going to cause us to shine brightly, Lord. You're going to bring a peace to our minds that maybe we've been missing for a while. You're going to be the strength to our bones and to our body that maybe we've been missing for a while. You do these things, Lord. And you promised to do it. And so I just pray that we would do our part and position ourselves where we need to be. May we experience more of your good heart towards us. And may we, during this fast, just rise in our level of compassion and generosity to the world around us. Show us places, Lord, where we can just give a coat, a sweater, a prayer, a compliment, a listening ear, a patient heart, a hospitable home. Show us, Father. Open our eyes and ears to where you're working and moving. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. Our food after church is going to be a lot of fruit and vegetables.